RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, and I want to say a very happy Valentine to all you lovers out there. If you have that special someone in your life, let them know that you love them, not just today on February 14th, but every day of your life, every day of their lives, because you never know when it will be your last moment here on this earth. So if you have someone in your life, it's great if you want to go out and spend money on them for this special day. If you want to take them to the nicest restaurant, if you want to get the nicest flowers, the chocolates, the cards, and all of that good stuff that we usually do on Valentine's Day. But you should do that every day of the year. There should be no doubt in their minds that you love them, that you have their back, that you're there to protect them. That's what love is all about. So let's not wait until February 14th, once a year, to do all of that. Let's make sure our loved ones know every day that they are loved because we never know, especially in policing, we never, ever, ever know when that last moment will come. And I got to say, going into this year, going into this Valentine's Day, I'm very thankful that I do have someone very special in my life um, that I'm involved with in a relationship with. And, you know, I got to say she's changed my life and not like I was just down and out and she came in and changed my life or anything like that. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is she's allowed me, she's shown me or she's given me the opportunity to actually love again and not just love again, but to love freely. And that's a place I never really thought I'd get back to, especially years back, some personal issues that happened in my life. You know, life experiences makes us a certain way. And I thought that Vincent Hill would never, ever, ever, ever say that not only do I love someone, but love someone the way I love her. And I want to thank her for coming in my life. She's got me doing some stuff I never thought I would do, like yoga. Um, you know, but I got to say it's really enlightening. Uh, it does allow me to relax which I don't do quite often. It does allow me to have a more focused mind. And I'm not, not saying I do yoga every day, but, you know, I have listened to what she said, even though sometimes she thinks I'm not listening. Uh, and I do go back to my private spot and, and do those techniques. And I got to tell you, it helps me out. I appreciate her for it. I love her for it. And I'm not waiting until February 14th of 2018 to let her know I love her. I let her know every day, and I hope and I pray that she knows I'm really sincere. But enough about that. Uh, I want to send a very special birthday to someone who is no longer here with us, uh, Steve McNair. And anyone that knows me knows I wrote two books about Steve McNair, the Titans quarterback, who was shot and killed back on July 4th, 2009. If you don't know the books, Playbook to a Murder. And Incomplete Pass, Playbook to a Murder, and Incomplete Pass, both on Amazon. Uh, but his birthday is today, February 14th. He and I were actually only about a month apart, so Steve would be 44 years old today. 
Uh, so I want to wish him a very happy birthday. I didn't get a chance to meet Steve, but I met his family. His family is my family. I've shed many tears with them. I love them as if they were my own family because, hey, they are my own family. But I want to wish Steve McNair a very happy 44th birthday. You're gone, my friend, but not forgotten. And now that we got all the mushiness out of the way, this is Beyond the Badge. And of course, we tell you about cases and we give it to you real and we give it to you raw. Unlike anywhere else, you will not hear these points of views on Fox, even though I've been on Fox, on CNN, even though I've been on CNN, on HLN. You won't hear the real and the raw anywhere else but right here on Beyond the Badge. Now, last week I talked about an officer I had the opportunity, the privilege to work with out in Nashville, Eric Muma. And the reason I brought Eric's name up is here we are a week after Eric's funeral, an officer who died saving someone's life, who drowned saving someone's life, who had gotten awards for life-saving and humanitarian awards and all of this, now in Nashville, here we are, a week removed, and there's uproar from the NAACP and a bunch of other organizations about an officer-involved shooting of a black man. Now, anyone that listens to this show knows how I feel about that when people jump to conclusions about what happened when they really have no clue of what's going on. Now, this shooting happened in James Casey Holmes' projects. And I know those projects really well because when I was on Flex and when I worked CSU, Crime Suppression Unit, I spent a lot of time in James Casey Holmes' projects. Even before Flex and CSU, when I was in patrol, I spent a lot of time there. Why? Not because I wanted to take flight on the black man, but... As I've said, crime brings police, not color. Let it sink in. Crime brings police, not color. So when I was working midnights and I was in James Casey Holmes, it wasn't because I just wanted to go over there and sit around. I got a lot of calls there. When I was working B-Detail, which is 3 to 11, 3 to 11, I got a lot of calls there. It was normal to get a shooting call at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It was normal to get a domestic call at 3.30 in the afternoon in James Casey Holmes' projects. So, me as a black man, again, I wasn't there just because I had it out for other black men. I was there because that's where the crime was. That's where the call of services were, right? Crime equals police. It's that simple. Now, James Casey Holmes, if you remember, if you listened to this show and a few months ago, there was an officer who had one officer of the year who was beaten by an individual in James Casey Holmes. And of course, people stood around, videotaped it, and it was on World Star and everything else. And it was this big joke because this white officer was getting beat in the projects by a black male. It was viral. It was all of this stuff, right? That's James Casey Holmes. That's what officers deal with when they go to James Casey Holmes. 
So let's talk about this shooting that occurred. So it was this past Saturday, February the 10th, uh, an individual by the name of Jaquez, and I assume I'm saying his name right, Jaquez Scott Clemens was shot and killed by an officer, Josh Leppard. And I'm kind of upset that they've already released this officer's name so fast. I understand transparency. I, I, I get that. But in this day and age, with everything going on, do you really want to put that officer's life in danger? And that's exactly what happens when this information is released. There's one thing to be transparent, but there's another thing to take care of your officers. But anyway, I digress. So it was about one in the afternoon. And as I've said, there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop, right? Even at one in the afternoon, because trust me, I've pulled my gun out on a traffic stop at one in the afternoon. I've had people flee in vehicles at one in the afternoon. I've found drugs in cars at one in the afternoon. So anyway, uh, this Jaquez Clemens, he's over in James Casey Holmes, runs a stop sign. And I don't mean like he slowed down, came almost to a stop, and then kept going. No, he ran a stop sign. Like if he slowed down, it happened so fast you can't see it. And you're, you're probably asking, well, Vince, how do you know this? Well, James Casey Holmes has a lot of surveillance cameras in there. Again, letting you know that it's a high crime area, right? So he goes through the stop sign just down the street. Uh, Officer Josh Leppert sees this. Of course, he approaches in an unmarked car, but he's in uniform. So there's no doubt in Mr. Clemens' mind that this is a police officer. As uh, Officer Leppert gets behind Mr. Clemens, Mr. Clemens exits the vehicle, as most people do, when they know they're likely up to no good. It's happened to me. That's usually the first step that someone is going to flee an officer. It never fails. So the officer gets out of his car. Mr. Clemens is already out of his car. He tries to explain the reason for him making contact with him, running the stop sign, which is a traffic infraction. Now, there's groups that say, oh, well, he shouldn't have died based on a traffic stop, but we'll get to that. So there's video, remember, in James Casey Holmes. And what does the video show? It shows Jaquez Clemens tackling the officer. He runs up to him, tackles him, gets up, starts running. So, hmm, what do you think the officer's going to do? Let me think, let me think, let me think. Okay, I'll just let him go. No, that's not how it works. So, Officer Leopard gets up and he gives chase. Because at this point, not only do you have the traffic stop, you have the assault on an officer. So you have two offenses that just occurred. The traffic stop, which had things going different, would have probably added up to a simple traffic citation or maybe a warning. But now you have attacked this officer, you assaulted this officer, he gives chase. Now, there's video all around James Casey Holmes. You can see a scuffle in one video. Then, at some point, a 357 falls out. Now, Nashville police don't carry 357s. They carry Glocks. How do you know? Vince, because I was a Nashville police officer. 357 falls out. There's a scuffle between the two. 
to try to prevent Mr. Clemens from getting the gun. But guess what happens? He gets the gun. He gets back up. He starts running. There's a little slight scuffle again. All the while, Officer Leopard is doing what he's trained to do. Not only trained, but muscle memory. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. Guess what Mr. Clemens doesn't do? He doesn't drop the gun. So as he's running away, Officer Leopard fires three shots. And he kills him. Now here's where the controversy apparently comes in. People are saying he wasn't a threat because he was running away. He was shot in the back. All black men are shot in the back. He shouldn't have been shot. Well, let me break it down for people that have never done this job and don't realize that just because someone has their back to you doesn't mean they're not a threat, especially when they have a loaded gun, when they really don't have to turn around to fire it at you. They can reach their arm behind their back and fire. Maybe they will hit you. Maybe they won't. But the threat is there. Now, this is an individual who had a gun, who initially tackled the officer, who fought with the officer. Is it that unreasonable to think that Jacques Clemens wouldn't have shot the same officer for the sake of not going to jail? Because we all know people that are felons that shouldn't have guns don't want to go back to jail. Now, this happened James Casey Holmes. I think back to a foot chase I got into with a carjacking suspect who was armed with a Tech 9. Who pulled the Tech 9 out while he's running from me? So does that mean since he's running away, I couldn't have shot him in the back? Well, sure I could have. I could have articulated and justified that not only did he commit a felony, armed carjacking, not only did he flee police, he's now a fleeing felon, and I'll talk about that here in a second, but now he's armed, which means he could shoot someone in the public or at any second put his arm behind his back and fire at me. And if you don't know what a Tech 9 is, go look it up. Let's just say I was outgunned by that Tech 9 versus my Glock that I carried as my service weapon. And I would have been justified in shooting said fleeing felon. That's how the law works. And I don't know why everyone in the NAACP in Nashville is saying it was unjustified. And I'm sure there's going to be marches and protests and everything like that. But how many times have I said the law is the law? Whether the officer's black, white, Chinese, Hispanic, alien, you name it, the law is the law, right? And when you look at the totality of the evidence, when you look at the traffic stop, which led to the contact, so we can go ahead and throw out the whole, oh, he stopped him only because he's black. No, at the end of the show, please go to my Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. I will have the links to the videos posted. Please go watch how he ran through the traffic stop. Go watch the initial altercation. Go watch the other altercations. So we can take out the fact or the assumption that he was stopped only because he's black. Then you see the assault on the officer. Then you see the scuffles. 
then there's a gun. Guns have bullets. Bullets are made for one thing and one thing only, to kill. When they made bullets way back when, they didn't make them to maim. They didn't make them to shoot people in their pinky toe. They are made to kill. So this officer, Officer Leopard, could articulate that imminent bodily injury or death was there, whether it be for himself or, let's think about this for one second. Let's say Jaquez Clemens, as he's running away and as he's twisting his body slightly to fire at this officer, hits a five-year-old out on their bicycle just by a straight bullet, then that officer has failed in protecting the public from the said fleeing felon. Or let's say Clemens gets a little bit further down the street. He's running, he's running. The officer's right behind him. And for some reason, he still has his finger on that trigger. And bam, he shoots someone's grandmother as he's running by. That officer has then failed to protect the public from that imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury. He had a fleeing felon at this point. He assaulted the officer. There was a gun there. Now, you could argue that it's aggravated assault, which is a felony, one that he's been charged with before. I know it has no bearing on what happened this past weekend, but look at the circumstances. Let me read what fleeing felon is. The fleeing felon rule permits the use of force, including deadly force, against an individual who is suspected of a felony and is in clear flight. Well, he was in clear flight. He was attempting to run away. The officer had already seen the gun. Clemens got the gun back after he had assaulted the officer on multiple times. Force may be used by the victim, bystanders, and here's where it's important, or police officers. So if a victim, let's say it was that grandmother sitting on the porch, or the five-year-old, or a bystander, let's say it's just someone that was sitting out on the porch and he saw him getting ready to shoot the grandmother or the five-year-old. If they can do it by law, why is everyone in an uproar that police can do it? Why? Because he's black? Well, let's read it a little further. Immediately, immediate stopping of the fleeing felon, whether actual or presumably dangerous, was deemed absolute necessary for the security of the people in a free state and for maintaining the public security. Maintaining the public security. So remember what I said? Let's say he turned around, fired, hit a five-year-old. Or he hit the grandmother on the porch. The officer did not maintain the public security by letting this fleeing felon go. Now, we can argue all day about the officer was wrong. He was not justified. Oh, it's another shooting of a black man by a white officer. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. As a black officer, had the situation been exactly the same, given, given no other option, 
given no other option. Hmm. I got to tell you, I think the outcome would have been the same. Now, some of you are saying, well, you just mentioned that you chased the carjacking suspect and it was same, the same and he had a Tech 9 and you didn't shoot him. Well, that's true. But here's why. Although it was close to James Casey Holmes, it wasn't. And I looked at my surroundings and there weren't any people out. It was about 1130 in the morning. Most people where we were at work. So I didn't have the concern too much of not protecting the public. But again, having worked at James Casey Holmes projects, I know at any given time, there's 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 people just out and about sitting on porches, walking around. That's James Casey Holmes projects. That's the life of James Casey Holmes project. So it's not ever a case of, oh, it's the middle of the day, it's one o'clock and no one's out. No, it doesn't work that way. It's Saturday afternoon, it's one o'clock, there's a ton of people out walking around, so the threat of not maintaining public security is much higher when you're in that confined of a space. That's the reality of it. So, to NAACP's point that this shooting was preventable, you are absolutely right. And here's how the shooting is preventable. Now, I don't know Jaquez Clemens' driver's license status, but let's take a step back, rewind everything. Had he stayed in his vehicle at the time of the traffic stop and produced valid driver's license, and there was nothing probable cause-wise to lead the officer that a crime had been or was going to be committed, and there was no smell of marijuana or no indications of intoxication, and the officer asked for his driver's license, and he presented his driver's license, and the only infraction was that he ran the stop sign, that would have ended in a traffic ticket or a traffic warning. Now, would the officer have asked for consent to search the car? I don't know. But here's the thing. The law is the law. Remember I said the law is the law. Let's say everything was on the up and up and he had his license. He doesn't have to give consent for the officer to search the car. And guess what? He goes home for the day. He doesn't get shot. He doesn't scuffle with the officer. You don't have this big uproar. Compliance versus ignorance will win every time. Compliance versus ignorance will win every time. Traffic stop ending in a traffic citation for presenting your license and not attacking the officer or attacking the officer multiple times, having a gun on you when you're a convicted felon, and then refusing to drop the gun when told. That's how that is preventable. Even if, even if his license was suspended and he was going to go to jail for driving on suspended license, even if the gun was in the car and the officer found it, he would still be alive. And there's probably a lot of people that are saying, oh, that's bullcrap. He would have shot him anyway. Well, not necessarily because in Nashville on Clarksville Highway and any patrol officer in Nashville knows Clarksville Highway. I got in a pursuit of a vehicle at two in the morning, caught the driver, 
Said driver had loaded gun. Said driver was convicted felon. Never had to pull my trigger, nor did he ever pull that gun out to bring imminent threat to me. He complied once he stopped running in the vehicle. He complied with all of my commands. Therefore, did he go to prison for being a convicted felon in possession of a weapon? Absolutely. But is his family still thankful that he's alive? You bet your bottom dollar that they are. Compliance wins. Ignorance loses. And let's be brutally honest, all right? Honest people, innocent people not doing anything or not in possession of something they know they shouldn't have, don't fight the police to get away. As a convicted felon, Clemens knew he could not own, possess that firearm because it's 10 years in prison if convicted and if given the maximum sentence of being a felon in possession of a weapon. So innocent people don't run. They don't fight police. They don't pull guns. They drop guns when police say drop the gun. That is the harsh reality of what really happened here. He did not want to go to jail. I've had countless people, I've lost count of how many people didn't want to go to jail. And guess what they did? They fought. They ran. That is the game. That is the game of policing. So we can say that the shooting was unjustified. We can say we demand justice. We can say it was racial. We can say all of that. But again, as I've said countless time over time over time, accountability is what's lacking here because it was Mr. Clemens' actions and his actions only that resulted in his death. Because I assure you, Officer Leopard, and I don't know him personally, never met him. He probably joined after I left Nashville Police Department. But I assure you, A, he knew that James Casey Holmes is full of surveillance cameras. So I really don't see him doing anything illegal, especially at 1 o'clock in the afternoon when there's hundreds of people around. And I really don't see him planting a gun or doing anything like that to justify shooting Mr. Clemens. But what I do see on these videos is Mr. Clemens getting out and tackling the officer. And then the two or three scuffles in between and then the shooting. It wasn't the officer's actions that led to the shooting. Because I've talked to use of force continuum and I talked the steps that officers must follow up to deadly force. And I've also talked about how you don't have to go from one to two to three to four. You can escalate the deadly force when that threat is there and the threat was there. But most importantly, officers' use of force is based on the suspect's non-compliance. That's all it's based on. So if you don't comply to my verbal commands, I can do soft, empty hand control. If you don't comply to this, then I can do this. If you pull out a gun or a gun falls on the ground and then you pick it up and you refuse to drop it and you've just 
scuffled with me. You just assaulted me on my first contact. I think I can go to a court of law and articulate that the imminent threat of death or bodily injury was there based on your actions. So as tragic as it is that his family lost him, and I'm sure he has loved ones, I'm positive of it, accountability is what needs to be mentioned here. So before the Benjamin Crumps and the Al Sharptons and the BLM and everyone descends upon Nashville, I just have one word for you, and that's accountability. So I'm going to make my prediction kind of like I did with the Freddie Gray case and the Michael Brown case, and I'm going to go out and say there will not be any charges against this officer, and if it comes to that, it's going to be nothing more than political like it was in Baltimore, but look what happened in Baltimore. Those officers were acquitted. Well, a few were, and then the DA, the state's attorney, dropped the charges because we can argue color, we can argue on justification, but this officer, based on what I saw, and again, I don't want you to take my word for it. Please watch the videos on my Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV, and you be the judge. But based on what I saw and based on my experience as an, not only an officer, but an officer that has patrolled James Casey Holmes projects, knowing what goes on there and how officers are treated and reacted to, the officer was justified in his actions. Of course, now it's time for the 10-7 portion of the show, giving honor to one of our fallen officers. Tonight's officer, Detective Jerry Roland Walker, Little Elm Police Department, Texas. End of watch, Tuesday, January 17th, 2017. Detective Jerry Walker was shot and killed after responding to a call involving an armed suspect on the 1400 block of Turtle Cove Drive. Responding officers encountered the man standing behind a fence. As they ordered him to drop his weapon, the man ran into the home and then began shooting through the home's window. Detective Walker was struck in the neck by one of the rounds. He was flown to the medical facility where he died from the gunshot wound. The subject remained barricaded inside the home for several hours until he was found dead six hours after the shooting. Detective Walker was a U.S. Army veteran and had served with the Little Elm Police Department for 18 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate you and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I never forgot one lady. Uh, I get a Yelp review and we just opened that says, I will never go back. There was fat on my brisket. 
So we put the quote on the wall. You know, I have that big chalkboard wall. And it said, our brisket is fatty, says some lady on Yelp. <laughs> yeah. It turned out, you know, it turned out to be my mom's, like, good friend. Oh, no. Found out about it. She came in and had a talk with me. I took it down since, but it was just a, it was great. So let's talk about Yelp. I, I think Yelp, I, first of all, I think it's for people that have nothing to do after dinner. Assholes. Right? Like, I've, had, I've been out to tables, and I don't have a bad Yelp. It's fine. But it is just... It is the, the most ridiculous site ever. And unfortunately, people use it. They pay attention. I mean, people use it. And I had a lady standing outside. We, we don't open for lunch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I literally had two ladies outside of my door today. I was inside doing paperwork on the Yelp app, like looking where to eat. And it's, you know, it's a shame because um, I don't know. I just think there's better ways, you know, like, like. You know, I actually I like open table reviews because and I don't know if you use it for reservations or not, but at least, you know, that there were confirmed diners and you're in the restaurant and they actually checked in for the reservation and they can make a review versus the guy across the street sure. or some guy who hates Brian Duffy because he's on TV or he's exactly. got cool hats. You know what I mean? Like it's there should be a there's got to be a verification process to it um well there's not and that's the problem you know i mean you look at these and now we have elite yelpers who the more that they promote you know they end up getting invited to things they get rewards for stuff so the more you review the more you i think they get free breads they get free breadsticks at olive garden duffified live with chef brian duffy can be found on itunes stitcher tune in radio and of course radioinfluence.com